Good evening. I have the pleasure tonight of introducing our poet, C.D. Wright. Wright is the author of 12 collections of poetry and prose. She has received prestigious fellowships from the MacArthur and Guggenheim Foundations and the National Endowment for the Arts, and awards from the Foundation for Contemporary Performance Arts and the Lannan Foundation. In 1994, she was named Poet Laureate of the State of Rhode Island, where she currently lives and teaches at Brown University. Poetry for C.D. Wright is a verb more than a noun. In her book, Cooling Time, an American Poetry Vigil, she writes, I poetry. I write it, study it, read it, edit it, publish it, teach it. Sometimes I weary of it. I could not live without it, not in this world, not in my lifetime. Her use of poetry as a verb, I poetry, reflects the sense of action and movement in her poetry, from the way the lines are sometimes scattered across the page to the people she examines who are in motion. A young girl stealing downstairs to play the piano while her father beats up her mother. A midwife wrapping a newborn baby in a shirt. Prisoners counting everything. Someone driving to Texas. This movement also reflects the essence of her poetry, whether we term that elusive essence, meaning, or perhaps experience. Wright explains, every year the poem I most want to write, the poem would, that would in effect allow me to stop writing, changes shapes, changes directions. It refuses to come forward to stand still while I move to meet it, embrace and coax it to sit on the porch with me and watch lightning bugs steal behind the fog's heavy veil, listen for the drag of John boats through the orchestra of locusts and frogs. Even here, when the poetry is an it, an object, a noun, it is always moving and changing. Over the course of her career, Wright's body of work also shows this movement as her form has evolved and changed. One reviewer of her latest book, Rising, Falling, Hovering, characterized her as a uniquely unpredictable poet. Uh, characterization I found interesting because I thought all poets were unpredictable. I thought that was part of the job description. But he described her as a uniquely unpredictable poet and explained that her poetics have continued to evolve by radical twists and turns. Holistically, Wright belongs to a school of exactly one. The MacArthur Fellows Program described her work by saying that no single description adequately captures Wright's work. She's an experimental writer, a southern writer, a socially committed writer, yet she continuously reinvents herself with each new volume. Her poetry re refuses to stand still but keeps moving. What we as readers get from the movement is a rich variety. Wright likes this variety herself. She says, Poetry is like food, remarked one of my first teachers, freeing me to dislike Rocky Mountain Oysters and Robert Lowell. The menu is vast, the list of things I don't want in my mouth relatively short. She at least partly attributes her reluctance to join a school or a group or association to her upbringing in the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas, where she inherited a resistance to joining. I am also from the Ozarks and can attest to the strong independent spirit. But her Arkansas roots seem to puzzle critics who cannot quite seem to understand how the high art of poetry could have hailed from the backwoods. One interviewer actually asked her, what does it mean when a poet who grew up in Arkansas being able to name trees and snakes becomes th thought of as elliptical in a certain sense a model for young academic poets to imitate? To write snakes, trees, and the people inhabiting the rural landscape, the young girl, the midwife, the prisoners, are not separate from poetry. 
After she says, I poetry, she then says, I also, Arkansas. Sometimes these verbs coalesce, sometimes they trot off in opposite directions. Wright's poetry bridges Arkansas and Rhode Island, formal and experimental, the past and the present, and it is ever-changing. The variety and movement give us an unpredictability that is to be valued. Please join me in welcoming C.B. Wright. I'm delighted to be here and to be on the roster with David and Donald and Peter. Um, is the sound all right? I'll just check it in advance so that it doesn't become the issue the evening. Um, let's see. I'm going to read from several different collections. I'll start by reading um, from Rising, Falling, Hovering. The central poem of this text is uh, focused on the war, uh, the present war, one of our present wars, and uh, Mexico and family domestic tensions. And I'm not going to read from that poem. I think I, I might change my mind, but I think I've opted for a somewhat different selection. Re-happiness. In pursuit thereof. It is 2005, just before landfall. Here I am, a labyrinth, and I am a mess. I am located at the corner of Waterway and Bluff. I need your help. You will find me to the left of the graveyard, where the trees grow especially talkative at night, where fog and alcohol rub off the edge. We burn to make one another sing, to stay the lake that it not boil, earth not rock. We are running on Aztec time, fifth and final cycle. Eyes switch on, off. We would be mercurochrome to one another, bee balm or chamomile. We should be concrete, glass, and spandex. We should be digital or at least early. Be ivory build, invisible except to the most prepared observer. We will be stardust, ancient tailings of nothing, elapsed breath. No, we must first be ice, be nails, be teeth, be lightning. Like having a light at your back, you can't see, but you can still feel, as if it were streaming into your ear. The edges of a room long vanished. She is not really hearing what he's really saying. The shine is going out of the ground, but they are sure of their footing. It's not that they have been here before, but they are young and they have water. There are masses of rose hips and they are noisy. The forward direction requires almost no effort. 
Consonant with this feeling of harmony comes another less comfortable, not of being lost, but of not belonging. Yet they were not covering the air with false words. They moved along without talking, not touching. They wore their own smell. She tastes salt, and they must be getting closer. Others are out there who are drifting. If this took place anywhere near the presidential palace, it would be nonstop terrifying. And this could be the reason she has started to scream. I'm not long on commentary. Like hearing your name called in a language you don't understand. Since the day the bell was cast, I have sat in the bishop's carved chair and waited my turn, with my feet crossed at the ankles and the leather of my wadaches cutting into the hide of my foot. From where I was sitting, I watched the light being drawn off the magnolias in the Plaza de Armas, while the voices of the others choired an evening. I have risen to the lectern when the eyes of the host summoned. I faced the great open door as the faces of strangers acknowledged their own losses. I saw the white trousers of the vendor flapping in the dust, his body engulfed in balloons, the children selling chiclets dispersed, the shoeshine boy putting away his brushes, the sum of his inheritance. I have read what was written there, said Gracias, and sat down again. I have climbed the pyramidal steps and felt winded and humbled. I have stood small and baracha and been glad of not being thrown down the barranca alongside the pariah consul in the celebrated book. In every sense have I felt lonelier than a clot of clay, a whip, a bolsa, a skull of chocolate. I have been lured by my host's pellucid face and the blue salvia where the rooster is buried. Though I have worn the medal of the old town with forlorn pleasure, I say unto you, comrades, be not in mourning for your being. To express happiness and expel scorpions is the best job on earth. I'll read a little passage from this title poem. It's, a little, it's not totally hard to excerpt, but it requires setting up, which I just dislike doing. Um, so this is from the title poem, Rising, Falling, Hovering. And it's just a, a little section for it, um, from it. It has a little to do with Mexico and the border and a little to do with my son when he was a teenager. In front of a donut shop, someone's son is shot dead. A witness, on condition of anonymity, 
the slow, open, vulgar mouth drawing on a cigarette, in a face once called forever young, now to be known as never a man, gone to the world of the working and the prevaricating, of the warring, world of drywalling, of lousy test scores, of fishing from a bridge on a brilliant afternoon, belt buckle blown undone. Recollect reading to her boy, reading to him in bed, overcome herself with sleep as if drugged or slugged, then jabbed up again. Come on, keep reading, don't stop, don't ever stop. Like she was saying, beauty cannot, she cannot marry the beast. And tonight, as on all other rose-scented evens, he stumbles, the beast he stumbles from beauty's empty chamber. In agony, he goes in agony, the fur of his fingers smoking, until it's her boy, he is the one saying, exclaiming, yes, yes, he will marry the beast, until he is the one who conks out as a light pole struck by a drunken car, and suddenly it's raining like plastic. When she stumbles at last from the room, he is the one who shakes himself awake and yells, protect me, and she is the one who promises, exclaiming, yes, yes, she will, I swear, if it kills me, I will, as once the mother of Forever Young, shot in front of the donut shop, must have sworn, if it killed her, she will, a boy so quiet the reporter heard from his kin, you wouldn't even notice him on your electric bill. Over there, it's a different world, desperate to be rejoined to this one. It is still raining like plastic, the brazen daytime rave of cicada cut off. In a fast fade to black, a low intensity shattering within. To dramatize the break, her confidential informant is her imagination. Request for him not to be photographed in this position, not the flash of flesh, the powder burns that pepper the chest. You won't believe what I was dreaming to the flash of flesh, the scarred back. Do not think him healed. Go back to sleep. It never happened. There was a cenote and steps dug out of the centuries and dogs, always dogs. The hot iron on her chest, she feels it now. It is her familiar, the fear, the seer. She is driving, or is she being driven? Trees and fences fall behind. An oil truck changes lanes without warning. The water on her right looks dead. Bird sanctuary, void of bird song. She forgets where she is headed. A meeting, no, an errand, an appointment. Is her life comic or tragic? That card stays face down. She doesn't even know what hand she's playing or whose house belongs to the white rhododendron. Across the river is a whole other world, hotel once grand with a ballroom called Starlight, a lobby that smells like assisted living dinner. Smoke-discolored chandelier, aloe vera and bromeliad felted with dust, and toenails of the truly old, painted for twirling across polished floors. And one of the old ones in a camphor gown says she wore this 
when she was smaller. Spotlights on the fountain tinted for travelers in the time of terror, color of the koi. Wasted figure in a tall mirror clad in ratty rags forewarns, these are the last hours of empire or some such inauspicious whispering. So what? So can I have a cigarette? In the absence of any unforeseeable remedy, She ran off with a fallen aristocrat, an adventurer cut down on his burrow by banditos, belt blown undone, wrecked down there. When she came back to the U.S., they sent her son to Baghdad, whom she vowed to protect. If it kills her, she will. There's not a troy ounce of compassion in this scenario. There is the inhuman dimension the bridges breaking off in chunks of gray, libraries folding, school buildings indistinguishable from penitentiaries, like I said to the doorman the other night. Some moon, huh? You should have seen it before the war, miss. We must not get used to this. To be continued. This is a companion to um, a poem I already read. It seems like the same poem, but I actually have a somewhat slightly better memory than that. It's not the same poem. It only parallels it to a certain point. Like having a light at your back, you can't see, but you can still feel as if it were streaming into your ear. The edges of a room long vanished. She is not really hearing what he's really saying. The shine is going out of the ground, but they are sure of their footing. They have been here a thousand and one times. There are masses of rose hips, and they are noisy. The forward direction requires almost no effort. Consonant with this feeling of harmony comes another less comfortable not of being lost, but of not belonging. Yet they were not covering the space with false words. They moved along without talking, not touching. They wore their own smell. The air was salty. Others were out there who were drifting. It is a bay in New England, closed to shellfishing after heavy rains. The house is not far from here next to the old burial ground. Most nights aren't dark enough to see stars. If a bad movie, a bad movie. If a bad meal, a bad meal. If bad wine, bad wine. They read and go to bed early. He puts on an eye mask. She wants a light on. She wants to read. No, he says, turn it off. Let me finish the chapter. Turn it off, see. The page then, she says, you have your mask on. I can still feel it, he says. I can feel it streaming in my ear. Besides, he is adamant, you just go to sleep at night. I go on a journey.
I thought I marked all the pages, but I didn't. Sorry. Like a prisoner of soft words. We walk under the wires and the birds resettle. We know where we're going, but have not made up our mind which way we will take to get there. If we pass by the palmist, she can read our wayward lines. We may drop things along the way that substantiate our having been here. We will not be able to transmit any of these feelings verbatim. By the time we reach the restaurant, one of us is angry. Here, a door gives into a courtyard overlooking a ruined pool. We touch the spot on our shirt where the ink has seeped. The lonely outline of the host is discerned near an unlit sconce. Something about an oar leaning against a wall. As guests, we are authorized not to notice. We lack verisimilitude, but we press on with intense resolve. We are forced to admit we cannot reproduce the smell of the linden, but we can tell you when we are standing in the sphere of its fluency, its mystery, its heart-shaped leaves, its special white honey, the precarious fabric of its protection. We appear less posthumous against the silver exposures. When the wind picks up, the soundtrack isn't audible. Love poem. Elation washed over our absence toward everything in the increasing darkness. The soft coloration of his longing in the indifferent environment has never deserted me. My husband saving the spermaceti to light our eye strings, my husband charting my obsessions with characteristic cool. Singing sacerdotally in the shower, my husband intoning every cleft in my skin, our syncopated breathing. My husband, who flew often at night as a child, above the very ground of our riding, even as power poles were falling on Volvos. My husband, equally popular with women of all ages, his nail parings, his running legs, his scriptoria, oh, his ludic hard head who cut down his own hair with a bone-handled knife, his rack of gorgeous, unworn ties, my husband touching even the insular men. Whenever fear bred its mushrooms under rugs, a cleaning frenzy commenced, our bed irrigated with my blood, watching me burn from within, tendering his cross-pen, oh, predominantly white guilt, Whenever it rained, elation washed over our absence toward everything in the increasing darkness. This is a love poem, too. 
Unconditional Love Song. Later, she would remember it started to pour. The storm blew everything out before the coffee finished its brew and she could finish reading a report on some boys holed up in a derelict house after stoning a swan to death. She wrapped her head in a towel and sat down by the open window. Even though the sound of the river was not there, the memory of the sound was. Even though her husband did not appear in the door, talking to her about the day ahead, the day ahead was there. I also don't like all this wrestling, but I, I can't help it. <laughs> um. I wrote, um, after I had written uh, this book like a rising, falling, hovering. And I tend to work on a book. I'm very into that whole compositional field of the book. Um, I wanted to write some, just some really simple, simple, simple little poems. They were still very strenuous for me. But I wanted, they were like my little country and, country and western songs. And actually, I loathe country and western music, but um, it's my culture. I can hate it if I want to, right? So, so. So just a little, I'll read a few of these. Uh, that section was called 40 Watts. I wrote 40 of them. Poem with evening coming on. A dog has appeared at the gate for the second day in a row against a dirty peach sky. A single car wobbles into the sun. Poem in which the lover wakes in darkness of morning and visits the water, lowering his glad body onto a rock. The spiders rearrange themselves underneath. Poem of a houseboat stranded in a field. You have a beautiful white dresser, a quilt made by hand, and a cat who follows you inside and out. I've brought a liter of burgundy and the sheet music you ordered. Do you even know how fortunate you are? Come on now, girl. Give us a little smile. Show us those teeth. Her Toes Poem a ladder left out all, all winter, a wasp nest in a cornice, a rag mop, and a girl they called a birdie. Due to their dark hues, her clothes seem heavy and dense. Her feet have not put on the shoes huddled together by the bed. We are already in position in the upper, upper branches for a backdrop, her sheets wrinkled stiff on the line. 
poem Waiting for Sleep on a night like this, craven, cavernous, all certainties desert her. The fire is dying, the fire is dead. Deep down, deep inside, she sees nothing. Soldier's Home Poem. She has been driving since she woke up, but she is lost now in a tangle of trees, the overbearing smear of greens, then an unmarked lane, poplars, a man on a bench of indeterminate years, missing most of one side of him. Poem with a Dead Tree. It is late afternoon. She avoids looking in its direction. She could feel it moving toward her in shaky black lines. Country Station Poem. It goes something like this. I'm sorry. It goes something like this. When the dog lunged, she froze. He fired at the head. They drove around. They came back. He wore black. They line danced. They drank. They fell down. They swore allegiance to the women who bore them. They cursed the women who bore them. The chambers of the heart opened and shut. They made plans. They made plans. Poem in which every other line is a falsehood. They walk around in the stubble of the field sharing a wine sap. After he cut his firewood, he liked to sit on a big log and listen to his blood rush. She turns her head in time to see a flat iron float through an open window. Poem with a girl almost 15. A name is scribbled over and over in a notebook, a nest set fire to, larva chew wool in a drawer. The hen rides her shoulder to the mailbox. That's enough of that. Let's go to prison. i just read a little bit of this, probably not enough even to establish the patterning in it, which is my favorite part of it. Um, but I, I work I, with a photographer quite a lot. We've worked together for 15 years, I guess, and one of the larger projects we did was called One Big Self, Prisoners of Louisiana. Um, it was focused on three prisons in Louisiana, uh, maximum security male prison, Angola, uh, minimum security male prison, Transylvania, which is now closed, and uh, the women's state prison, which is minimum, medium, and maximum, St. Gabriel. These are their town names. Um, yeah, i just give a little flavor of this. Count your fingers, count your toes, count your nose holes, count your blessings, count your stars, lucky or not. 
Count your loose change, count the cars at the crossing, count the miles to the state line, count the ticks you pulled off the dog, count your calluses, count your shells, count the points on the antlers, count the new jacks, keys, count your cards, cut them again. Count heads, count the men's, count the women's. There are five main counts in the cell or work area, 445 first morning count. Inmate must stand for the count. The count takes as long as it takes. Control center knows how many should be in what area. No one moves from area A to area B without control knowing. If inmate is stuck out for the count, inmate receives a write-up. Three write-ups and inmate goes to lockdown. Once in lockdown, you will relinquish your things. Plastic soap dish, jar of Vaseline, comb or hair pick, paperback. Upon return to your unit, the inventory officer will return your things. Soap dish, Vaseline, comb, hair pick, paperback. Upon release, you may have your possessions. Soap dish, Vaseline, comb, pick, book. Whereupon your true happiness can begin. In the mansion of happiness, whoever possesses cruelty must be sent back to justice. Whoever gets into idleness must come to poverty. Whoever becomes a Sabbath breaker must be taken to the pillory and there remain until he loses two turns. I want to go home, Patricia whispered. I miss my screen porch. I know every word to every song on Purple Rain, Willie. I'm never leaving here, grasshopper in front of the woodshop posing beside a coffin he built. The last time you was here, I had a head full of bees. See, what I did was I accidentally killed my brother. He spoke without inflection. Ask how many brothers and sisters did he have. On my mother's side, two brothers, well now, one brother, and two sisters. On my father's side, 15 sisters. When I handed Franklin his prince, his face broke. Damn, he said to no one. I done got old. I kept a dog. When you walk through Capricorn, keep your arms down and close to your body. That's my sign. No, she can't have no mattress. No, she can't have no spoons. See if she throwed her food yet. No, she can't have no more. My name is Patricia, but my real name is Zabonia. She spoke softly. Some have their baby and are brought back on the bus the next day and act like it doesn't bother them a bit. Some cry all the way and for days. Guard. She is so sweet. You wouldn't believe she had did all the things they say she did. Don't ask. My mugshot totally turned me against being photographed. I miss the moon. I miss silverware with a knife, and maybe even something to cut with it. I miss a bathtub and a toilet with a lid and a handle and a door. I miss driving. We're both here because of love, Zabonia of herself and her best friend. I am highly hypnotizable. I would wash that man's feet and drink the water. My dear conflicted reader, 
if you will grant me that most of us have an equivocal nature and that when we wake and we have not made up our minds which direction we're headed so that you might see a man driving to work in a perfume and dry free shirt and a woman with an overdone tan hold up an orange flag in one hand, a Virginia Slim in the other, as if this were their predestination. Grant me that both of them were likely contemplating a different scheme of things. Where do you want to spend eternity, the church marquee demands on the way to my boy's school, smoking or non-smoking? I admit I had not thought of where or which direction in exactly those terms. The radio ministry says G.O.D. has a wrong answer button, and we are all waiting for it to go off. Count your gray hairs, count your chigger bites, count your pills, count the times the phone rings, count your T-cells, count your mosquito bites, count the days since your last menses, count the chickens you've eaten, count your cankers, count the storm candles, count your stitches, count your broken bones, count the flies you killed before noon. My dear affluent reader, welcome to the Pecan Land Mall. Sadly, the Pecan Grove had to be dozed to build it. Home Depot raised another grove. There is just the one grove left, and the creeper and the ivy have blunted its sun. The uglification of your landscape is all but concluded. We are driving around the shorn suburb of your intelligence, the photographer and her factotum. Later, we'll walk in the shadows of South Grand. They say in the heyday of natural gas, there were houses with hinges of gold. They say so. We are gaining on the cancerous alley of our death, which when all is said or unsaid, done or left undone, shriven or unforgiven, this business of dying is our most commonly held goal. Ready or not, zero exceptions, don't ask. get out of this now. I wanted um, I wanted to just touch the loneliness the extreme loneliness of hard time I this was as close as I felt I got. Mac trapped a spider, kept in a pepper jar. He named her Iris, caught roaches to feed her. He loved Iris. When Iris died, he wrote her a letter. I'm going to close with this poem. It's called Like Something Kristen Berry Pictured. Many of you probably know Kristen Berry. is a, a color photographer. He also makes structures, and he's also a very fine painter. Um, but he's probably best known for his um, colored uh, photographs of uh, rural Alabama. Like Something Kristen Berry Pictured if this were not a marked beginning, but an end, or more severely, the end, and you were ready to make peace 
with your major failures and hidden contradictions, and you were about to start the countdown on your own long-lived-in body. And so, a little flyover in remembrance. You would seem alert enough to attend this imminent loss, sensing your own twirl in the void accelerating toward its outermost ring, while your sputtering mind starts its rewind of the crud and gem-encrusted strata through which poetry has taken you, as if some kook might jump out of the holly at any moment and extinguish you with one stroke. Hit pause before contact is made between your phantom assailant and your individual quote-unquote soul, and you are physically hurried to a ramshackle building, risen in full sun from uncut grass, the walls stripped of canned and dried goods, and a single stick insect sticking to a tatter of color on a post struggling to support a torn roof, like something Christenberry pictured. Fast forward to glimpse last year's, tired of sitting self in a coarse concrete hall, anemic palate and dais of drowsy party officials, a withered wand of a woman facing the audience, the foreigners, holding her granddaughter's hand reciting the manas by the hundreds of lines, and the expressionless girl picking up when her infallible hand is squeezed, thus transmitting to her infallible memory the epic of her people, mesmerizing until it's unbearable when you hit forward again to edge your rental car off the shoulder so you can photograph with your cell phone an alligator snapper crossing the road so pokey the 16-wheeler that barrels over it blows the moss from its back and it freezes in position to recover from the sudden ventilation, then picks up tempo just enough to clear the truck bearing down in the opposite direction. It tips over the edge of blacktop, under the unfinished garage of sky toward a section of river where nothing much is moving in a stand of cypress making a final stand against the final clearing of an exhausted land. And you half expect to be chosen to be the one to glimpse the trailing feathers of the bird no one has been able to vouch for, which is why you chose the tertiary route through empty corduroy fields the instant you stopped at the crossroads, as they say, which was the very instant you stopped looking for meaning and began rifling among the folds of feeling instead where things were to be made new again, where and when the benighted and unresponsive have begun to lose their grip even on and unto the benighted and unresponsive. It is like waking up to the old-fashioned smell of roses. It's like finding a few words collected on the eyes of visiting moths, like giving of your blood generously to live and die as if the same occasion, having never owned a catamaran but having cooled off in Bright Angel Creek, danced slow-mo at the night spot, sped through the hot air past the second-story wedding dress stores of San Luis Potosi, having stayed up to watch the Sirius open the last time it opened 12 years ago when the boy was still a boy when the elevator doors opened on a once elegant man playing Rhapsody in blue on the mezzanine of a once elegant hotel, having cruised alongside the big woods at 12 miles per hour, straining to glimpse an apparition of a wing.
ah, the flesh flashes and passes, so simple and satisfying as drinking milk out of the carton or going from maddeningly boring stretches in front of a monitor to eating clouds faintly lit within, burning pages of bad poetry, stepping out of the story ineluctably over fellow travelers here just long enough to testify to a blinding intensity under that big dry socket of God, the camera mounted to capture ordinary traffic violations fixes instead on your final face a single frame of unadulterated urgency is what you see urgency it is thank you